Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show on this Thursday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Joining us now, our ESPN MLB insider, Buster Olney. Buster, how are you? I'm doing great. Happy holidays, Brady. Yes, happy holidays to you. It was interesting that yesterday morning you were on the ESPN Radio morning show, right? You were on uh, Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max. But filling in for those yep. guys were Freddie Coleman and Courtney Cronin. And Freddie's on our show every Wednesday. And on that show yesterday on national television, he was rocking a Brady Farkas show sweatshirt. Now, Buster, you were not on with us every week at the time we had those sweatshirts made, but what would I have to do to get you in a Brady Farkas show sweatshirt on national TV in the future? <laughs> I, I'm very open to the idea, uh, certainly on my podcast, but Freddie being on the show every day, uh, you know, on, on, a, on a radio show every day that, that uh, televised, that would help. I don't think that my bosses would be thrilled if my next sports center hit <laughs> that I had a, a Brady Farkas show uh, t- or sweatshirt on. I, I will tell you that. I think they would prefer the coat and tie. And on Sunday night baseball, I'm thinking that Carl Rabbit, the, the play-by-play man, he wouldn't be happy with that either. But we'll we'll try to thread a needle at some point for you. Well, how about this? How about a a spring training <laughs> a spring training hit early in spring training, Florida in February, <laughs> where we just get a picture of you talking with some big leaguer in one? Well, something like that. I, <laughs> I could definitely see something like that. And you know what? I should uh, look for uh, some connection with Vermont, uh, some player from Vermont or or somebody who's got Vermont roots, maybe Ernie Johnson will be down in spring training uh, with uh, you know his connection with his dad. Um, that would be fun. Well, like I told you, now you don't get out to Arizona, I know, during spring training much, but uh, Cal Raleigh, Mariners catcher, his dad, Todd Swanton, uh, Vermont Missisquoi High School legend. There you go. There's the in. And you know what? Uh, I am actually, because now I live in Montana. Oh, that's right. Uh, I'm actually going to be out, I believe, in uh, in Arizona to start. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's very possible. All right. And, well, uh, it'll be interesting. You know, I've told you my story about uh, Derek Barton, yeah. who was born in Vermont. Uh, and when I walked up to him and I mentioned that, hey, I'm from Vermont, and, and you were born there. And he looked at me like I was the biggest idiot, and he couldn't care less. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I expect Cal Raleigh, based on what I've heard about his personality, he would uh, – he would embrace the conversation more. All right. Well, we'll do what we can to, to get another sweatshirt run and get you on by uh, by spring training. Hey, you mentioned living Great. in Montana. Are you? How much overtime is your heat working right now? How cold is it? It is as you and I speak. It's minus thirty six, oh. uh, and it is wind chill factor uh, below minus fifty. It actually looks like it's going to be a spectacular morning. Uh, but this morning, I, I uh, texted my siblings who are all who all live in Vermont, and I said it's minus minus thirty six here today. Uh, we're all safe, we're all warm, and this is coming your way. And I got thumbs up from all three of them. I mean, it's crazy. Like it's one thing if it's just you, but you have dogs and animals. How do you even function with the animals outside in this? <laughs> um, well, we have a puppy who's uh, almost a year old, and she loves to play ball. And I haven't been taking her out. This morning when I let her out, uh, she went and, and did her business and raced back to the door like, what? What is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> so she came back. And my older dog, who's 12, she's a veteran. So like she, she, uh, she, she was much more patient with it than the puppy was. The puppy was like, you know, who turned off the heat? Yeah. 
Oh, man, I can't even imagine. We are going to get some nastiness uh, tomorrow and Saturday, but not minus 36. My goodness. Buster Olney of ESPN joining us here on the Brady Farkas Show, our pre-holiday editions of the Brady Farkas Show. All right, Buster, let's get to the baseball matters at hand. And let's start with Steve Cohen, and let's start with the Mets. And this is where I was at yesterday. I, I'm not – I mean, I'm dumb sometimes, but I'm not dumb in this regard, I don't think. I recognize that Steve Cohen is good for players – and he's probably good to spur some other teams into action, right? You know, the Yankees will be spurred into action by the Mets because they got to win the back page. The Phillies are in the division. They've already been spurred into action. The Red Sox, in theory, is a big market team, should be spurred into action. So there is good here. But largely, I think most fans would think Steve Cohen is bad for baseball because their team owners are either unable or unwilling to go to these levels, and we're going to see the gap continue to widen. I know you think Steve Cohen is great for baseball, so tell me why I'm wrong. And look, I think your concerns are, are legitimate. You know, the, the 1994-95 strike uh, that the players went on was built on an argument between big market and small market teams, where the big, the small market teams were upset. They felt like that they couldn't continue the trajectory of spending. Uh, they asked the players effectively to, to fund an adjustment, and it was an impasse, and we lost the World Series. And there is already fear within the industry that, boy, you know, the, the next labor fight could be ugly if these small market teams band together. And not only small market teams might band together, but there also might be more teams working in concert to curb this type of spending like we're seeing with Steve Cohn. But I, I go back to conversations that I had with Billy Bean uh, you know, in, the, in the 2000s about the Yankees and about the way uh, you know, that, that they were sort of the evil empire. And, and Billy found himself at times in conversation with Oakland Athletics fans who would complain about the Yankees spending and say, the Yankees are great for baseball. Like, they're the you know, they're, they're the team that, uh, you know, becomes public enemy number one. And when they go to Oakland or they go to other ballparks, uh, people go to, to pay and, 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 and they will boo them and they will draw a lot of attention. When the, we got news yesterday that Carlos Correa, uh, you know, had overnight had flipped and gone from his agreement, uh, you know, being blown up with the Giants to then going to the Mets and the Mets having a payroll of close to $400 million dollars. You know, I tweeted out, we've got the Mets and Giants on Sunday Night Baseball on April 23rd. And there was a big response to that. And next year, you know, as, as one uh, baseball executive said to me, you know, the Mets are going to be like the Chicago Bull, Michael Jordan team, where everyone's going to be, you know, must watch. And you know and I know that uh, money doesn't directly translate into championships in baseball. No teams have spent more in the last two decades than the Dodgers and Yankees. They have two championships in 22 years between them. So uh, that there's going to be a ton of interest in the Mets, a ton of people rooting against the Mets, and that's a good thing. And Billy also understood not only the other teams playing in their, uh, you know, behind a team like the Mets in terms of making money, but I do think it's good that clubs like the Red Sox, you know, they're going to sound, whatever John Henry says in spring training is going to sound ridiculous to some degree, as fans clamor for for that the Red Sox to step up and pay a you know a Rafael Devers at this point, they're going to sound ridiculous if they don't step up and do it. And I think in some ways what Steve's doing is creating a higher bar for big market clubs like the Red Sox and quite frankly like the Yankees, who I think stepped up. Uh, you know, they're spending with Aaron Judge 
after, you know, the, with the specter of Steve Cohen out there spending as much as he is. You know, Buster, the, the th- you know, I got into it with a Mets fan on social media the other day, and they said, well, you know what? Your owner could do it, too. Everyone's owner could do this. Ours is just no. doing it. And I'm curious. That's not true, is it? Like, yes, small market no. teams can spend more, but not everybody can spend this. No, I, and I agree with that. Um, and I do think that they're, you know, I think Steve Cohen looks at it from a fan's perspective. And while, you know, Major League Baseball is a private business, so all these owners uh, have you know, the ability to conduct their business as they see fit. I do think there is uh, a sense of public trust. There's an element of, of this being each Major League team being public trust. And so that's why I get offended when I see, uh, you know, teams run their clubs purely for, for profit and tanking. You know, we're seeing the Baltimore Orioles in recent years not spending money. And it's all about the owner drawing profits out of the team while pretending to, um, you know, while pretending to compete. And so I think what Steve is doing and what Peter Seidler of the Padres is doing with his, you know, massive increase in spending is reminding, uh, you know, other owners, look, it's more about just doing well on the bottom line, you know, and, and understanding that, when you have franchise values in the, somewhere in the range of three or four billion dollars, yeah, you can add that extra starting pitcher to try to win as you uh, as you sell your your product to the to local fans. Buster Olney, ESPN MLB Insider, with us here in the Brady Farkas Show every Thursday on WDEV AM and FM. You know, I, I don't know how it's going to happen yet, but I feel like the Mets are going to be really bad for the Red Sox when it comes to Rafael Devers because either. Yeah. Yeah, because either no Devers just goes to the market and says, well, look, I'm not taking anything you offer because I know the Mets are out there. That that would be bad. Two, the Mets are going to go after Otani, I'm sure, and if they get him, it'll be a ridiculous price, and that will drive up the price for the next best free agent, Devers, which will be bad. Or they'll just not get Otani and then pivot to Devers, and they'll just go get him themselves. I feel like I don't know how it's going to play out, but this is bad news for the Red Sox. It's terrible news for the Red Sox. Uh, especially with their their current you know modus operandi and their current you know order of business and how they're connecting uh, or how they're conducting business. Um, and look, and here's the other factor that sort of hasn't got as much attention in a week in which the Mets are pushing their payroll close to 400 million dollars. The Los Angeles Dodgers clearly are resetting their payroll for a big run next winter at Shohei Otani. Um, that's the perception of other teams. You know, they've given one-year deals to guys like J.D. Martinez. Uh, and, you know, the, the feeling is, is that next winter, when Otani becomes a free agent, assuming he becomes a free agent, the Dodgers are going to take a huge run at him. Well, guess what? What happens if Otani decides, you know what, I want to take the Mets' money. Uh, I want to go after, you know, take, take the bigger deal that uh, Steve Cohen might offer me. Or maybe the Giants step up. They have a ton of payroll flexibility, as we've talked about. Maybe your Mariners step up in their team. Well, guess what? If that all happens, if the Dodgers don't sign Otani, guess who potentially would be number two on the list? And that would be Rafael Devers. Uh, And that would, again, be horrible news for the Red Sox. You and I have talked about how I can't remember many examples of a player having this kind of leverage against their teams. You're talking about a player who's going to be a free agent right after his 26th or 27th birthday, uh, and to go into a market that's going to be relatively thin, and to have big market teams like the Dodgers and the Mets 
all lined up, ready to spend big. I, I, I just look. This it's why today or sometime in, in January or, or February, the Red Sox need to go to Devers with a blank check. That's the position mm-hmm. they put themselves in, and if they don't, they better start preparing for a trade uh, of Devers because I, I just can't see a way unless they completely surrender in these negotiations, given the market dynamics, that they're actually going to be able to sign him. Buster, last question here before we let you go. Um, I actually think the Red Sox – have done a lot of good this offseason. You know, the bullpen has improved. I think the the Justin Turner move is is at least equal to J.D. Martinez. I think it's an adequate replacement. Now, all of this good is overshadowed by the Bogarts' loss and the impending Devers' doom, and I understand that. But uh, what would you think of the uh, of the Turner acquisition and how he fits with the Sox? Yeah, I mean, I think it potentially makes sense. It's clear that from June 30th on, he found something in his swing. He made an adjustment. Um, he hit close to 350. He's a great professional. He's a great clubhouse guy. And in a vacuum, yes, that helps. In a vacuum, getting a, an established closer like Henley Jameson helps. But those are, uh, you know, those are temporary rentals. It's the difference between the Red Sox, you know, renting an apartment and actually buying a house and, and, and something around to construct their team. Uh, and it does strike me that all that the moves they're made this winter will allow them to quickly pivot if they go into sell mode. And I think you and I agree on this. Their margin for error with their roster compared to that of the Yankees with Rodon now and Judge resigned, or the Blue Jays or the Rays or the Orioles with their improving roster, there's a fair chance we're going to see the Red Sox go into sell mode. And I think that was part of the reason why they won these one- and two-year deals. Yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right, and I think you're right about the margin of error. Like, it's one of these, if, if, if everything goes all right, then they got a chance. But you and I know, at 162-game season, not everything goes right. And you're counting on a no, lot no. of, you know, Kike to bounce back and Trevor Story to bounce back and Chris Sale to stay healthy and Paxton. And, and those things are just, you can't bank on them. No, you nailed it. It feels like there's, uh, there's not that much depth and there's very little margin for error. Buster only, ESPN MLB Insider. Buster, stay warm. Have a great holiday. We appreciate everything you've done for us in 2022. I am off next week, so uh, we got some college football bowl games on the air. So uh, enjoy a, a week from my early morning phone calls, and uh, we'll talk in two weeks after the new year. Yeah, and the next time I talk to you, I'll actually be, uh, you know, I believe in Vermont. So uh, that'll be fun.